Next, you didn't hear this from me, but Normal Gossip is back for a sixth season. Join host Kelsey McKinney as she shares the juiciest gossip from the real world. Each episode, she's joined by a special guest, and you might recognize a couple this season from the Radiotopia universe. Normal Gossip, named one of the best podcasts of the year by Time Magazine and Vulture, is out now on all your favorite podcast platforms. New episodes starting April 17th. This is The Truth. I'm Jonathan Mitchell. Today's episode is something that we adapted from a short story by Diane Cook. We found it in her collection, Man vs. Nature. And just a quick warning, there is some swearing in this episode and also some sexual content. So if there are children around, you might want to save this for later. This is called Man vs. Nature. It had been days since the boat ran out of gas, stranding us in the middle of our annual fishing trip. Days since we'd seen another boat or tanker, which was strange on a lake that was usually full of commercial traffic and sports boats. Days since we'd placed bets on a timetable for rescue, gotten bored with spitting contests, swapping sex stories, imaginary card games, It'll let up soon. You think so? You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Days since we'd finished the beer, brats, and buns, the sweet potatoes, the eggs, the butter, the three bloody steaks we bought for the last night when we figured we'd be tired of fish. Hey, remember how I was the star of our high school team? Of track. And field. And field. (laughs) Both. Days since Dan claimed the water was safe to drink, even though we were shitting and pissing into it, saying, it dilutes as he swished a turd away. Looking back, it was clear that we were feverish and drunk when we decided to abandon the 30-foot pleasure craft, the one thing I'd held on to in the divorce, with its comfortable sleeping cabins and mini-fridge still stocked with two dozen beers, to jump into that cramped rubber lifeboat. I remember Ross saying, we'll be walking on the beach in an hour. But that was days ago. When I woke up, I was only holding one oar. Did you fall asleep? Uh, Yeah, yeah. You didn't tie him to your wrists? No, I didn't. You need to tie him to your wrists. This is not, this is... This is not a problem. This is a problem. It's not a problem. See? The three of us were babies together. Our moms took turns watching us. Still, Dan and Ross were always the better friends. They flashed Morse code signals into each other's bedrooms, but I lived too far away to join. They went to the same local university. I went to the army. I made sure we stayed friends. Dan became a television writer. Ross had a family in our hometown. I moved out west and married Patricia. What a mistake. Hey, let's play a game. What do you want to play, man? Imaginary cards? Great, yeah. Sounds good. No. I was joking, dude. No way. 
Okay. Um, how about we bet on whether or not we get rescued? <laughs> Jesus. Huh? What's, uh, what's the under? You are a macabre fuck. What about girls? We haven't talked about them in a while. That can't be bad, can it? Talking about girls? Ross, why don't you start? Come on. Fine. Melissa Panzino. I knew he'd I start 16, there. She was I 18, could wait. Dan dared me to take a picture of her naked I wanted to hear about Bren. Beautiful, blonde Bren. I am bored. This is boring. Also, I am tired. Maybe just start a little later on. Move fast forward a bit. <sighs> Kelly Feldman, sophomore. Roller skater. Crazy, flexible. She used to bleach her pubic hair. It was only a matter of time. And then I met Bren. Sweet, sweet Bren. Wearing only cotton panties. <laughs> giggling into her hand. <laughs> we know what you're doing, Bill. Shut up. We'd been unlucky, but maybe luck's cyclical. Maybe it's constantly on the move, gracing people, then gone. Was I due, or had I squandered my share long ago? I slept with your wife. I know. <laughs> if I were a TV writer, I would be writing this stuff down because this is all gold. Dan, you are a television writer. That's what I meant. I meant if I had a pen. Did you sleep with my wife? Did you sleep with Brad? Does it matter? <laughs> yeah. I think it does. Now that we're here, I think, yes, it actually matters. Well, then, no. I did not. Why'd you say you did? Because I wanted to. I've always wanted to sleep with your wife. She was hot. She is hot. Why did you say I know when I said I slept with her if I've never slept with her? Because I thought you did. I always thought you did. How could you think that? How could you think that I would do that to you? Because I banged your sister. Why would you remember? Bring, why do you got to bring that up? You know? Why? When, when we get home, I am going to sleep with your wife. You deserve it. <laughs> no chance. Did he mean we had no chance of making it home? Or that I had no chance with Bren? How could he be so sure? Did Bren say something? It was years ago, and we'd been so drunk, and it was only a blowjob. If I were writing this on a sitcom or a movie, I would write this as a fight scene. Where every time either one of you talk, you just start wrestling with each other. And it makes the boat really tippy, which would be really tense for the audience, because they would be convinced that it was actually going to tip over. And then the actor who plays me would intervene and say something like, hey, fellas, you know, something, something, blah, blah, blah. And then, <laughs> then cue laugh track, which would calm you guys down because, you know, metaphors, etc. And then some action music would play and we could finally start figuring a way out of this mess. Yeah, what is the way out of this mess? Well, shit, Ross, that's a great question. Why don't we flag down one of the tankers that we keep seeing? We haven't seen any tankers. All right, then. We're three men in a boat. In a large lake, and it's a major shipping route. And 
Why have no boats passed to rescue us? I want you to write me a world in which that happens. Well, the other day, a coup d'etat occurred in Canada. <laughs> yeah, rebels blocked all of the seaways and ports in protest. All right, get this. This is how it goes. Armed gunmen break into his room late at night when he's smoking a cigar and a brandy. Right, this particular boutique hotel has super strict no smoking rules, which we will convey with a pan from the no smoking sign to the prime minister as he's relishing a thick exhale. But right then, armed men bust in, they throw a bag over his head, and they just drag his ass down the hallway toward the service elevator. And all the other guests in the hotel are like screaming and cowering in the hallway because they see these crazy big dudes with all these guns and they hate guns. Canadians hate guns. They're peaceful Nancys, Canadians. The armed men, they bring the prime minister down to the basement of the hotel, but it's not actually just a regular basement. It's like a, a dungeon from colonial times. And they tie him to a chair and they threaten to rape his daughters. His twin, they're twins, his twin daughters. Double the pleasure. One of the more dastardly gunmen says as he twirls his waxed mustache. The prime minister breaks under the pressure of imagining his beautiful brunette daughters brutally raped, which we would show in soft, slow vignettes. You know, so it's uh, classy and of course, of course, feminist. But then the army steps in. They overthrow the prime minister. They strip him of the authority to give the country over to these guys and proceed to battle the counter forces by laying siege to all of the rebel territories. So there's no boats right now in this seaway to the ocean, the one that we are headed for, because right now there is a fantastic battle taking place. Picture this, underwater torpedoes, cannons being fired from the bluffs by scrappy yet handsome thrown together village armies. Real run of the mill, believable poor people types, the kind that wear potato sack clothes and stuff. And somehow a pod of government trained beluga whales gets unleashed with explosives. They're wearing helmet, like explosive helmets, okay? And they, they're trained to go underneath enemy boats and blow themselves up and the boats. Like real whale kamikaze shit, like whale medal of honor. Boom, the war is on, man. Prime time. It's quite a show. What do you call it? Man versus nature. <laughs> what? Why? Because everything is man versus this and man versus yeah. that. It's so simple. Uh -huh. It's man versus everything. It's me. It's you. It's us. Okay. It's in us. Okay, it's in okay, okay, but this is a war story. It should be called man versus man. I'm the writer. How about that? I get to call it whatever I want, and it's man versus nature. Well, I'm calling it man versus man. Try and stop me. I'd watch man versus nature. Oh, I would too. God, I wish I had a pen. When we're rescued, I'm gonna sell that show and make you a star. Me? No, really not you. You're the star of man versus man, remember? Cool. I'm gonna take this. Oh, Phil. Phil, no, not in the boat, please. Uh, God. Oh, well, couldn't be helped. 
Why would I sleep with your wife? I have my own wife. <laughs> <laughs> because your wife sucked. And my wife is awesome. Patricia didn't suck. Okay. <laughs> mm, yes, she did. She did. And you hated no, her. No, I didn't. I didn't hate her. She hated me. I loved her. Really. That's the truth. You want a half group? Thanks. Is that the jerky? I thought that was gone. This is the last one. I didn't sleep well. I wanted my sleep time to be an escape. I wanted to dream of a girl. Of Bren. But what if I called out her name and Ross heard? What about dreams of some vacation? Some cabin in snowy woods? The fireplace? Beer? Maybe I could dream of flying. Away. From here. I dreamed of birds, their talons puncturing my arms as they pried white worms from the blisters on my neck. Wake up! Wake up! Get your shit together, we have to go, we have to go right now. Where? Go where? 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 What do you mean where? Down there, man! Okay, common citizens like us, accountants and lawyers and TV writers, are, are taking up arms. We're getting our father's rifles and muskets and we're kicking the rebels the fuck out. And it's a full-on revolution and it's all around us. You can hear, how can you not hear that? How can you not hear that? How could you even sleep? I heard a trickle of water. Dan had peed himself. It's a humanitarian nightmare, dude. It's World War III. And the only safe place is under the surface. It's kind of beautiful if you think about it. The world is collapsing. The only world that you and I have ever known is collapsing. And the world below this one is flourishing, right? Man versus nature. I fucking told you guys. And get this. We're, this is the irony of all ironies. We're actually in the perfect position stuck out here. Because out here, we are citizens of no world. And so we're totally welcome down there. And I don't think I could have done it, Phil. I really don't. But you, you have guts. You knew something was happening, and you kept us out here. God love you for that, man. You're a fucking genius. I'm so dumb. I thought we were going to die. <laughs> it turns out we're going to live. I didn't know anything, okay? I didn't, I didn't keep us out here. Dan leaned over the side, looking down into the water. Bren and the girls are already down there. Say hi, Ross. Say hi. I don't see anything. You just broke their hearts right in two. Hey, Do Cal, you see get that? Back in the boat. Don't you no, see, no, Ross? No, Dan, stay in the boat. Come here. Come on. Get in here. Get. If you leave, you cannot leave me. If you leave me, I will die of boredom. Ross. Get back in the boat. Ross, I'm so tired. I'm so tired, man. Everything was still. I thought maybe the moment had passed. But then, Dan slid his body over the side of the lifeboat. I managed to grab his foot. But the shoes slid off. I gotta go in and get him. We gotta go get him. I thought Ross would make a play for the better seat now that Dan was gone. He just sat there, peering over the edge. 
What's in there? It's nothing. You had a pencil and paper this whole time? And you didn't tell Dan? Too small to fit a whole TV show on it, don't you think? Besides, I didn't remember I had it. What kind of asshole do you think I am? I would never do that to him. What are you writing? Nothing that concerns you. It's for my girls. What are you gonna signal a bird to have him come and pick it up and take it to him? Oh, hey, what are you doing? Sit down. Hey, sit down. You expect me to believe you didn't do this on purpose? What are you talking about? Strand us out here? Oh, come on. Hey, you sit down. You just happened to forget to fill the tank? What? That's crap. We've been doing this for how many years? That's baloney. You're crazy. Hey, easy. Just sit down. True. I hadn't filled the tank up all the way. Dan and Ross hadn't offered me any money. It was weird. They usually did. Gas is so expensive now. I'd felt uneasy ever since I picked up Ross. Me and Dan were fine, but then Ross got in the car. I thought then that maybe Bren finally told Ross about the blowjob. I wanted Ross to know. To know and to go on these trips with me anyway, because we were such good friends and nothing could ruin that. And I could feel that I'd gotten away with it, and then maybe it could happen again with Bren. It had been a fantastic blowjob. I was drunk, yes, but I remember. She acted drunk, but she wasn't. She wanted it. And she never comes to the door to see Ross off on these trips. She's harboring some serious feelings for me. God. Bran. We used to have a ball together back in the day. We'd all go out when I visited for the holidays. Ross and Dan always drank too much, and I always offered to drive Bren home. They never suspected anything. We made out the first couple of visits, and I felt her up frantically. And then, that fantastic blowjob. But then she stopped going out with us when I was visiting. She's with the kids, Ross would say, and he always had a weird look. We weren't even going to come this year. Me and Dan, we talked. We talked about stopping this stupid week. We hate it. And Bren hates it when I go. Not because I leave her, but because of you. She says you're a creep. She makes a face when she says it. It's... <laughs> Me and Dan have our own week. Yeah. In July. We go rock climbing, it's awesome. And we were planning even more weeks. Dan was seeing a girl, we were gonna have them up to the cabin. She's great, I bet you didn't even know about her. I bet you didn't even ask him what's new with him. I bet you were never like, hey Dan, what's new with you? But then you got divorced and, oh God, you were so fucked up. So fucked up and we felt bad because we're nice people, so we came. And now look, Dan is living with mermaids and it's, and it's World War III. And we're never gonna get out of this shitty, shitty rubber boat. My girls. <laughs> they felt sorry for me? Is that why they didn't give me any gas money? Because they really didn't want to be here? 
And Bren said, I'm a creep? That's not true. Do they really go rock climbing? Do they really have their own week? When we were kids, I asked to sleep over, but their mom said no. I gave them candy, money, comic books. I bribed my sister Maggie to have sex with Ross, who was still a virgin by the time he left for college. I didn't know she was a virgin too, Ross told me. He said Maggie was a crybaby. Then Ross went off to college and met Bren. I went into the army, developed a gambling habit, had a series of failed relationships, pined for Bren, finally settled for Patricia, quit gambling, thought my life would turn around. It had. I believed it had, until a year ago. I believed that. And even though Ross and Dan hadn't wanted to come, in the end they came. That meant something, right? I'm sorry, Ross. Please. I'll do anything. If you want to be my friend, you'll never talk to me again. In the morning, Ross was gone. His water-warped golf scorecard was tucked into my hand. On it was written, Got rescued! Exclamation point. You looked so peaceful I decided not to wake you. All around me was the same still, gray water I'd seen for days, weeks, months. I want to live. Really live. Let go of the world. Wasn't there a way to get to the ocean from here? Everything's connected to the ocean somehow. Yeah, I could float up that seaway Dan mentioned to the Arctic. I could find a way to catch fish and just drift through the icebergs and shower in whale spouts. Now that's a life. Not like mine. Divorced and 40. No kids. I should have taken that as a sign. She didn't want to have kids. What woman doesn't want to have kids? It's the guy who's supposed to not want kids. The wife is supposed to be like, we're having kids, you asshole, until the guy feels pushed into it and resentful. But when they pop out, he's supposed to realize that his kids are the reason life makes sense. And then he's supposed to love his wife even more, want to get a better job, discover his new purpose as protector of his family. That's how it's supposed to go. That's what you do. You have a bunch of them and they're your friends. They look like you. You give them your feelings. It's animal. It's basic. What kind of cunt doesn't want to have kids? Stretch marks, she said. My whole life. Wasted. I took Ross's scorecard and drew a stick figure on it. I drew a thought bubble. Hello, with girlish borders. At first it was Patricia, but I couldn't think of the perfect thing to hurt her or fix things. Then it was Ross, but I could only think of apologies. And for what, I couldn't say. I missed my friend. Was the figure a child? I couldn't see it, it was unfamiliar. A stick figure. It didn't look like me. Who will miss me? No one has. That's real, that's a fact. The water flattens and I see the hull of a ship miles in the distance. 
the current carries me to some kind of tanker. I slice my palm against the barnacle stuck to the hull, and blood the color of cartoon apples flows out. A real boat. A rope ladder unfurls down the side, and I grab hold. Man vs. Nature, with David Pasquese as Phil, Ed Herbstman as Ross, and Mark Gessner as Dan. This was an author-approved adaptation of Man vs. Nature from the collection Man vs. Nature by Diane Cook, copyright 2014 by Diane Cook, used by permission of HarperCollins Publishers. It was adapted for the truth by Diana McQuarrie and produced by me, Jonathan Mitchell. If you like our show and you want to help us out, The best thing you can do for us is also really simple. Just open up iTunes and review our show. More reviews help more listeners find the show. Please keep them coming. And you can learn more about our show at our website, thetruthpodcast.com. Radiotopia from PRX is made possible with support from the Knight Foundation and by MailChimp, who celebrate creativity, chaos, and teamwork. Our associate producer is Carrie Kasten. Our interns are Hannah Herr and Shelby Elopmani. I'm Jonathan Mitchell, and you have been hearing The Truth. <laughs>